You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. The scripture we'll be in is 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 40. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bowls be given to us, and let them choose one bowl for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bowl and, bowl and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bowl and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bowl that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation where there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elisha took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood. And he said, Fill four jars with water, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with the water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell on and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. As Andrew was reading, Barbara leaned over to me and whispered, and she said, I love this story. And I do too. 
And it is, it is a, a great, great story uh, from the scriptures. And there's so many ways to take this passage and run with it when you're going to preach a, a sermon. Um, and I want to share with you this morning, in particular, how I think this applies to us right where we are today uh, in Life Church, all right? Um, and so what I want to do is I want to start by t- describing a little bit of how I'm praying right now, okay? Um, and this isn't to say, like, I'm praying more than you, or I'm praying a lot, or you should pray like me. I, I'm just, I just want to kind of tell you how I'm praying and what I feel like God is doing in my heart and what God is saying to me, um, and sort of in some way try to bring you into that, you know, like, like pull you in, into that with me. Um, and, and a lot of what I'm, I'm sharing uh, in this small moment is really like how God is working in my heart in life church, you know, as, as your pastor, uh, as a pastor of this, this ministry. Uh, this is kind of what God's doing in, in my own heart based on where we're at, okay? And, and as I've been praying over the past few weeks, um, and in, in case you don't know, David and I spend uh, a, a large amount of Tuesdays praying together. We just we come in here, we turn off our phones and put them away, and we kind of close the doors, and, and uh, we just go into prayer. And we actually have a list with all of your names on it, and we actually literally pray for every one of you by name uh, on Tuesdays, okay? Um, and some people actually call us and say, when you pray, will you pray like this for, for us or for our family or whatever? And it's, it's a great time. But there are other times where I just find that I, I need to pray. And it's like I feel, I feel the draw to just pray. And a couple of times I've done that in the last couple of weeks or so. Feeling somewhat of that draw, I think, because that is what God is doing. By His Spirit, He's drawing me to prayer. And I, I, I love when I feel that like call to come and pray. But I think some of it is sometimes I feel the, the, the draw based on how I see life church going and, and the challenges that are in front of us or, or the needs in people's lives and those kinds of things. And that, that pulls me to pray. Uh, but a couple of times I've been just, I come in here and just walk around and just, just pray, pray out loud, you know, and just, just walk around by myself. And on a, a couple of occasions in particular when, I, when I've done this, I felt this really like unique sense uh, of God's presence with me, you know, uh, a sense that that not not only is it God's presence, but but like I really um, I really feel Him listening to me. You know, it's like I know, like I got His ear right now. You know, it's like it's like He is really listening to me, uh, and that's delightful. That's a, that, to me, that's amazing for a guy who grew up thinking that nobody cared about his voice. And, and believing that he didn't really have a voice, to, to, to just sense or to feel in a unique way that the, the living God is actually listening to me, that is sort of profound to me. Um, and these have been these times when I've just been walking around praying out loud. And, and I've prayed about direction, especially as, as I've sensed that, that many of us here in Life Church have, have really felt a, a, just a unique move of the Holy Spirit bringing us clarity, bringing us deliverance, uh, giving us promptings to step out in faith and, and to trust the Lord even more maybe than we ever have in our lives. And I've prayed each time about um, just a greater intentionality for us as a church to fulfill our mission statement, you know, which, by the way, is we glorify Jesus by making disciples in our neighborhood and beyond. I, I, 
I want us to be a church that legitimately is making disciples. Um, and for me, and, and I think for Pastor Dave as well, this is kind of the make it or break it piece of our ministry. I mean, we, we put it on the line. We drew the, the line in the sand, so to speak, when we wrote it on the, the wall out there, okay? Uh, that this is, this is who we are. This is our mission. This is what we do. Uh, and so we need to have legitimacy in that, that that is indeed what we do, all right? So this whole move to discipleship is one of great intentionality, and so we're praying very, very much for that, I'll say. I also prayed for, for strength and, and for selflessness for all of us, uh, that, that we need to be able to continue to feel uh, to, to, to follow God and, and, and to, to fulfill our destiny as a ministry in this city. I believe that God's called us to love our city. Um, you know, we, we are continuing to grow, and I'm praying about that growth a lot. Um, I'm even praying about this facility, uh, our future plans to expand. Um, you know, it, it, we're growing, and it, it, if, if we don't get to build in the very near future, it will be inevitable that we will be back into that place of, of figuring out what a two-service format will look like and how we will go about doing that. I know you look around in the room right now, and you're like, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? There's a ton of empty chairs in here. There are, but there is no space on that other side over there. There are so many kids over there right now. It is busting out, all right? I thank God that I am not in children's ministry in life church, and yet I love and adore everyone who is because they have their handfuls over there, okay? Uh, and so we have to, we've got to be creative and we've got to figure something out, and so that's how I'm praying. I'm praying about our, our finances as a church. We hardly ever, uh, hardly ever, I don't know that we ever preach much on giving uh, our own, own finances, um, but I'm, I'm, we are tight as a church right now financially, and I want so much for us to be generous to other ministries. You know, each year we try to give to a number of other ministries in the community, and we've been doing that a little bit as we can this year. The, the year before, we brought everybody in in one Sunday, and we gave t over $10,000 in one Sunday to other ministries outside of Life Church, and it was a beautiful, beautiful Sunday uh, to do that. Well, we've been having to piecemeal that now this year and not be able to do it in such a, a big way. And maybe that's God's way of keeping us humble so we don't boast about being uh, that, that way or whatever, okay? Um, but, but I want us to be generous to these other ministries in the city. I want us to, to really be diligent and intentional to assist families in adoptions. This is something that we believe in, and we want to be able to financially help those families who are going through a, the, the adoptive process. This, this, this just takes a lot of money. I want us to be able to send more support to missionaries around the world. That's really big to me. That's in my heart. That Not, not only that we would send more uh, finances to missionaries that are out there, but that we would actually send missionaries out of Life Church into the foreign field uh, uh, for, for lifetime service, all right? So that, that's a big thing to me. I want to share for just a moment uh, one of these prayer times when I felt like God spoke to me really personally, and it was, was deeply insightful for me. Uh, it happened while I was praying. I was praying in here on one occasion, and I was praying in, a, in another area of the church on another occasion, praying the same thing. 
And, and here's what I was praying, it, because we haven't sold the building over on 11th and Grange yet. We still own that building. Uh, it's paid for in a sense, but, but we own it. Uh, but it cost us monthly utilities and other things, and it's sitting there, you know. And so that, that is something that I've, you know, in my logic, in my head, I'm going, okay, well, that's what has to happen. We have to sell that building. And that was my prayer. My prayer was, God, we need to sell that building. We can't go any further until that happens. Like, that's the next step. And, and that's how I was praying. God, we, you, sell that building. Please, sell that building. And I'm, I'm being very, like, diligent about it. I'm being very intentional about it. I'm being very authoritative about it. I'm, like, declaring it, sold in the name of Jesus. I'm doing all of this stuff. And in the middle of all of that, it's like, it's like I feel God, you know? I don't know how to explain this to you any better than to say it's just like I know that God was wanting to talk to me. And he wasn't being audible, and this wasn't an epiphany, and there wasn't stuff going on around me. It was just there I was. And it's like for a moment I, like, got, oh, and it was like, I felt like God said to me, would you stop praying this? And I'm like, oh my goodness, we don't get to sell the building. <laughs> you know, that was my first thought. And, and, and it was like God was saying, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to stop praying and telling me what I need to do. I'll take care of the building. What I want you to pray is that I am a God big enough to meet your needs and to fulfill my purposes in your lives as a ministry. That's how I want you to pray. I want you to start praying that way, and I don't want you to go back to praying about the building. Let the building go. All right, give it to me. It's mine. And, and this is how I want you to pray. And for me, that was a moment of tremendous recalibration. You know, it was like, oh, God, I have been coming to you and telling you what I want you to do I've been creating this like plan or this strategy uh, for how I think things ought to go, and I have not been trusting you. I've not been seeing you big enough. I've not, been, I've not had the faith that is needed to pray right and to, and to pray and ask you to do what only you can do. And it was, a, it was, in a sense, a humbling moment, but more than that, it was the most wonderfully comforting moment because it was like, God, you love me so much. And you, you really want to do great things in my life and in the lives of others and in, in life church. You really want to do something great here, don't you? And that's where it was like, I, I heard the resounding, yes, yes. And so out of, out of that praying, all right, God really did something in me, and he recalibrated for me. And that's when I went back to this passage in, in 1 Kings. It's, it's like in, in chapter 18, I see this amazing man of faith here. And, and I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak uh, to us a timely word from this story in the life of Elijah. And I especially want you to be mindful of verse 37, which was Elijah's prayer uh, when he was before the altar. And he said, answer me, Oh, Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, oh, Lord, are God. And understanding, I think, will be clearer for us as we look at this, okay, a little bit. And so I want to give you a little bit of context here to do that. And then I want to talk to us about having a faith 
that, that is, is right for our future, all right? Having a faith that will help us to step into our future and you as an individual to step into your future as well, okay? First of all, Elijah was a man of great faith and obedience. God had called him to, to take a message to this wicked king Ahab. Um, he was to say that because of the weakness of the people, there would be no more rain. Um, and when it didn't rain, then Ahab obviously blamed Elijah for that and he put a price on his head. Um, and God protected the prophet Elijah uh, by giving him a hiding place, providing food for him, uh, sending ravens to feed him, giving him shelter, uh, miraculous provision in a poor widow's house. I mean, there's all of these amazing things where you see the hand of God taking care of Elijah when he's sort of this outcast, if you will, uh, during this time when he gave the word of the Lord and it was hated. After three years of drought, and there's a, a, I mean, just imagine the devastation of three years without rain, okay? Um, God sent Elijah back to Ahab, sent him to, to go right back. Verse 17 says he was, he was told to, to go back to Ahab. Um, and when he meets up with Ahab, Ahab sort of like probably points a finger at him, but Ahab says to him, he says, you're the troubler of Israel. In other words, you're the one that's caused all of this problem in the first place. And Elijah's reply in verses 18 and 19, he's like, no, actually, I'm not the one who caused the trouble. Actually, you're the one who caused the trouble because you took God's people away from their God and you led them to worshiping the God of Baal. And so Elijah is not uh, pulling back. He is not in any way compromising here. Uh, He is letting Ahab know that he is the problem here. And as he does that, he then calls for this showdown, if you will, all right? This duel that is going to happen between Elijah and between the prophets of this false god, Baal, all right? Then in verse 21, you see where he, he calls for the people to actually make a choice. He's like, okay, people, this is the, I'm going to do this, but when are you going to start stop waffling? When are you going to stop riding the fence? When are you going to stop hanging between the two? All right. When are you going to make up your mind that you're going to serve God and God alone? All right. And so then at that point, he goes on and he starts to lay out the odds here. He goes, okay, it's me. I'm God's one prophet here. And I'm, I'm working against 450 of Baal's prophets over here. All right. So he kind of gives them how, how big the odds are here. All right. Uh, and then he gives them kind of the rules of engagement. He tells these prophets of Baal what, what's going to happen. Now, most of you know this story. The Baal prophets call out to their God. They do this from morning until noon. Uh, they jump. They shout. They cut themselves. They do all this kind of stuff. By the time you get down to verse 27, uh, Elijah is mocking them in, in essence. And he's saying, well, where is your God? I mean, did he go take a nap? Did he go to the bathroom? What, what's he doing here? You know, because he's not showing up. Uh, which obviously is inciting them even more. And so they cry until the evening, so to speak. But here's a description of the response to their cries. It says, there was no voice. Not one answered. No one paid attention. I want to tell you something, Life Church. If you have idols in your life, eventually they will go silent. They will go silent. They cannot save you. They cannot deliver you. They cannot sustain you. They won't give you life. All right? And that was the place where the prophets of Baal found themselves. Their God had suddenly 
gone silent. Elijah comes in and he repairs the broken altar of the Lord. He digs this trench all the way around it. Uh, He gets this wood. He gets these animals ready for the sacrifice. And then this is the amazing part of it, okay? This is where it really gets good, all right? He, He says, go get me water. Do you know that after three years of drought, water was more precious than gold? And he's saying, I want you to take four jars, all right? Now, now, please understand, this is my water bottle. I fill this up numerous times during the day, and I take a lot for granted that I'm going to get water out of that filtered spigot out there, and I enjoy my water. This is, don't get the idea that, that Isaiah's going around with his sport bottle, and he's sprinkling water here, okay? Because that is not the case. The, case, the reality is that these are, these are big pots. These are big barrels of water, all right? Water is precious, and yet he's saying to, to the people, get these big barrels of water, if you will, four of them. And what I want you to do is I want you to just pour it all over the altar. I want you to pour it over the sacrifice. I want you to pour it over the wood. I want you to pour it over the stones and just let it run. And they do it. And then... He says, okay, now do it again. We're now to eight great barrels of water in a three-year drought. And they do it. And then he says, do it one more time. And so now we're at 12 huge barrels of water. Can you imagine what people were thinking by this point of all of this water just being poured out over this altar? It says they poured out so much water on the altar that it completely drenched everything to the point that it created a moat inside of the trench that he had dug around the altar. Folks, if God didn't show up, Elijah was going to be absolutely a failure at best and be slaughtered at worst. All right? And here's what I want you to understand. There are going to be times when God is going to ask of you and I as Life Church to do things that just don't make sense. They just don't fit the best rationale. And yet, we will know. If we have faith, we will know that this is the voice of God. I I have ideas. I have plans. I'm, I'm obviously very comfortable telling them to God because he had to recalibrate me. And we're all in this kind of place with our lives individually, and it happens corporately where we begin to look at the circumstances and we begin to look at the situations around us and we begin to hold right there, all right? But this is where I think verse 37 can begin to speak very powerfully to you and I as Life Church, all right? I think think Elijah's prayer gives words to our prayers for ourselves and for Life Church because I think he prayed for three specific things and others as well, but three that I want to say to you today or bring to your attention today, and that is this. First of all, he prayed that the Lord would hear him. I told my story because I believe you all have stories equally as dynamic, equally as impacting of those times and those moments when you know that God has spoken to you. And some of those words that God has spoken to you in a very real season of your life, you're still holding on to. They haven't been fulfilled yet. And that may be just God's timing. It may be because of decisions you've made that's postponed certain things in in your life. 
But the reality is there are some things that are still not accomplished or not fulfilled in your life that God has spoken to you. But I want us to be a people in Life Church that right now in this season that we are gathering to pray more. Not just Monday night harp and bowl, but there are going to be other times. And I'm going to try to facilitate some of that for you, all right, of helping us to, to have prayer points and to know things to be praying for together as a congregation. But I want us to be praying more than we ever have, believing that God hears us, all right? This is why we went through the spiritual disciplines with you, all right? The study of the scripture and prayer and solitude and, and these kinds of things, fasting, praying, because we very much believe that this is essential for you and I as a body of believers. And as we exercise our faith in God, these are going to be key elements, key components of exercising that faith. If we really believe God hears us, then we will pray. We will pray. And if we are not praying, we have to ask ourselves, why am I not engaged in prayer? What, what is it? What, is it a mindset? Is it a stronghold? Is, is it something circumstantial? What is going on that is keeping me from being a person of prayer? And I believe this is why we went through the whole series on, on deliverance and, and bringing down strongholds in our lives. It's to give us the, the, the platform and the place to be free and clean enough to come boldly to the throne room of God and to seek His face. And I believe we can do that. I believe we can do that individually, and I believe that we can do that corporately, okay? So first of all, we need to believe that the Lord can hear us. And that's how we pray. God, hear me. Hear my prayer. God, hear the prayer of Life Church. And second, I think we need to be praying that God will show up. <laughs> that God will show up. I, let's believe when we pray. Let's believe that God is actually going to show up and answer these prayers that we are praying. And above all, let's ask God, would you please, would you please allow us and the people in our community to know that you are the Lord God? Honestly, if we're in a position like Elijah, if God doesn't show up, we will utterly fail. And I think in some ways we are because we're declaring that God is good. We're declaring that, that God is sovereign. We're declaring that, that we walk with this God and that we trust Him. We are declaring that, that God will sustain us and strengthen us and provide for us and meet all of our needs. We're declaring that God is faithful. And if we're declaring this in a world of darkness and we are, we are that declaration of light, we're drawing the, light in the, the, the line in the sand. And it has to be God that shows up, not you and I. Folks, you and I are not the answer to our prayer. God is the answer, but He will use us in that answer. And so we have to be willing to, to be people who are praying diligently and fervently for God to move. And I'm praying that God will move in such a way that everyone will know that His hand is in Life Church. Folks, I, I don't want God to move so that you can feel good about yourself. I hope you will feel good about yourself. But that is not why we want God to move. I do not, please hear me, all right, please hear me. I don't want God to move so that David or I can write a book. I don't want some event here so one, someone will come and make a documentary. I don't want something happening here so that life church becomes renowned in the religious community. I want God to show up because God is God. 
And God can do amazing things. And there are people who need God. And so I want to promote this God. I'm not asking God to make Life Church great. I'm asking God to be great in Life Church. And I'm not going to ask God to make you great because that will be dangerous. I'm going to ask God to be great through your life and hope that that greatness keeps you buckled down in humility so that you can be effective for the kingdom of God. And I want this to become very personal for every one of us, you and me both, because you see, each of us are called to go and make disciples. And I believe that's ultimately God's goal in all of this. And finally, the third thing is that he prayed that they would also know He says, I want these people to know, all right, that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Notice that he didn't ask for God to let the people turn their hearts to him. He said, I want them to know that you've already done a work. I want them to know that you turned their hearts to you. All right? I don't want you and I to try to do this work in our own strength and our own flesh and our self-centeredness. This work that God is going to do through Life Church as we go forward, this work of making disciples and reaching lost people and, and, and praying and bringing in revival in our community and beyond, it's going to happen as a move of God, not a move of man. And so you and I have to be ready, all right? We, we, we have often, as a church in the past couple of years, uh, focused ourselves on ourselves, both individually and corporately, all right? And, 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 and we needed to, all right? We needed to do that. To get to where we are today, that was, was a necessary piece of, of, the, of the time in which God was working in us and through us, all right? But it's my prayer that now, all right, and I hope, and I hope it, it, it becomes your prayer as, as well, is that God would continue to turn our hearts back to Him and do impossible things through us. To, to do impossible things through Life Church. Not that He hasn't already done that. He has. In, in times, there are testimonies and stories of the greatness and the goodness of God. And there are a number of you who are sitting here and you are, you are living proof of God's faithfulness and His sustainability. But what I'm telling you is I believe that there is something more. There's a greater work for us that is ahead of us. And we need to be people of faith to see that work through. All right? So whatever God does in life, church, we will need faith. All right? Great faith to bring that about. Someone once said it this way, and this is a quote that I love, and it's by just an unknown smart person. It says, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. And here's what I would say to you. God loves you too much to let you stay the way you are when he has so much more for you. And so as a body of believers together, I want to issue us some kind of challenge today, all right? I I, I want us to to grab a hold of this kind of faith that is required for us to to see a dramatic move of God among us. You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Are you talking about like in in those those strange churches where they do bizarre things and and crazy stuff goes on? Well, not exactly, but if it happened, I wouldn't I'm not going to quench the spirit, okay? All right? I'm, I'm scared of that stuff. 
When stuff gets goofy, I get scared of it. But you know what? Sometimes God does some crazy things. But here's the thing. You and I cannot be people of fear. We cannot be intimidated by the things that are going on around us and miss what God wants to do in and through us. And, and as your leaders, we're, we're going we're gonna, to you know, temper all of this stuff as much as we can without quenching the Spirit. But we've got to be willing to let God do unconventional things among us and through us in order that He can reveal Himself to a world that doesn't accept Him, that doesn't believe Him, that doesn't prove Him. And you and I are the ones that are called to do this. So how will we do that? I think, like Elijah, we, number one, we must be visionaries and not victims. Elijah said it. I'm one. I'm only one. I'm the only one left of God's prophets. He was just stating a fact. He wasn't a victim in that moment. He, wasn't go- he didn't buy into victimization here. He wasn't excusing himself at all. He's saying, I just want to prove a point here. I want to let you know something. I'm the only one. I'm the only prophet of God. And there's 450 of those guys over there. I like it that he didn't say, and there was 200 others that should have showed up that didn't. But he said, I'm the only one. I'm the prophet of God, but I'm here. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to prove God today. And this is where you and I have to be. Satan would love to make us victims and keep us in that identity. And it's easy to be a victim. Sometimes our society even rewards victims, all right? And oftentimes people who think of themselves as victims shift responsibility for their lives to someone else. And let's not be guilty of that ourselves, and let's not be guilty of that as a ministry. Let's not look around the city and look at some other church and say, well, they're bigger than we are and they've got more than we have and they've got resources and they've got capital and they've got this and they've got that. And we're little and we're small and we're over here on on the the, the north end of town and we're just going to get by. Let's not do that. Let's, Let's declare that we serve as big a God as any other ministry in this city and beyond serves and that big God is able to work through us in big ways. And you've done it time and time and time again. You've come through missionally for Life Church. And, and honestly, I was so thrilled yesterday to see that produce going out in, in the parking lot and to see all those people. And some of us had concerns, all right? Me not, certainly not being the least of them. Well, it, everybody knows this over there at that old building, and now we're coming over here, and are we going to be able to do this and give this, this, this produce out and, and, and be able to, to be faithful in all of this? You know, there are all these questions going through logistically, how are we going to do it and all this stuff. And I drive up, and it's just happening, and it's bigger and better than ever because God is bigger and better than ever. And so you and I, we, we, we cannot... Let Satan paralyze us with fear. We cannot let him keep us from moving out for God, all right? We've got to sort of cast down that, that sort of can't-do mentality, all right? And, and it, it, it's out there, all right? But I'm going to tell you something about me. And, and I, I think I'm speaking for Pastor David, too. And you guys know us. You've lived this life with us for many years now, a lot of you. And some of you coming into this, you're getting to know us uh, in, 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 in more intimate ways. But I'm going to tell you what. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be no part of a can't-do church. I want a can-do church. That's what I want to be a part of. I, I don't serve a can't-do God. 
then I don't want to proclaim a can't-do God, all right? I, I, I don't read can't-do promises in the Bible. So I don't want to quote can't-do promises to other people, all right? Let, let's not make excuses about God's Word. Let's, let's stand on it. Let's be a people who are willing to do whatever God is asking of us to do and believe for that. And that takes a visionary kind of approach. I'm not saying everybody in Life Church has to be visionary. I get crazy visionary sometimes, and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and it's going to be, we're just going to do it all. And there are a couple of you who go, uh, hold on, Pastor. <laughs> Hang on, how are we going to do that? <laughs> I don't know, figure it out, okay? You're the guys who have that gift, all right? I just want to, I just want to go. And we, we, need, we need the balance, okay, within Life Church, but at the same time, we cannot let the enemy hold us back in fear and doubt and unbelief. I want some of you to start dreaming the dreams of God. I want some of you to start to develop the plans of God. Please. Yeah, I just declared I'm a visionary in gifting. I am, all right? Tell you what, if you'd have seen this building the day we first walked in here, you would have needed some vision. But look at it now. And all of you brought this about. You accomplished this. And, and God gave us very gifted people to help us to get to the place we are. But we have not arrived. Please, don't sit down on the Lord right now, okay? We got a decent building. Pastor David and I decided we might want to put a sign up outside that says, we're a pretty decent church. <laughs> you know, we're kind of happy. We're kind of good, you know. But that's not it. no. We don't just serve a pretty decent God. We serve an amazing God who would want to reach a city. I, I got a sermon coming up. I'll pre-warn you. It's called Loving Your City. All right? It's from that passage where Jesus looked over the city and he wept. When's the last time you cried over the city? You know? God's got things for us to do, and, and, and we need to have the vision to be able to do them, and that's going to come out of, out of dreams and, and plans and, and strategies and all of these things, and they aren't all going to be downloaded to me. As a matter of fact, most of them are not going to be, all right? They're going to be put in your hearts, and God is going to use you to accomplish great things. And this just happens to be the vehicle by which we all get to do it together and then have fun and celebrate it. And so that's what I'm calling you to do today, all right? Be visionary, not a victim. Second thing is we got to have an outward focus, not an inward focus. Elijah could have just said, you know what? I don't, I don't have anything. I'm by myself. It's just me now. The brook dried up. The ravens don't fly in anymore. <laughs> all these kinds of things, you know those kind of things where we see God provided and then suddenly it's a different kind of scenario and we're like, okay, where'd you go, God? What happened? And God's been blessing us and he's brought us to this place and God hasn't left us. Some things haven't, haven't happened the way we thought they were going to happen along the way here, but we are a great church, a viable church. We're financially sound. God is moving. The Holy Spirit is doing great things in life, church. We got kids all over the place. I mean, there's life here, all right? It's, we're flourishing in the Lord, all right? But 
we've been inwardly focused. We got a building, all right? We couldn't do anything else in the other building. We were bound there. We were, we were uh, just tied up there with the city and, and with other situations and circumstances. We couldn't, we couldn't grow. We couldn't increase in any way. And look what God did. He gave us another building, and we have all kinds of land around us now. We can build someday. We can expand in whatever way we want to. We can dream again. We have the ability to see again, all right? But now it's time for us to no longer be inward focused. It's time for us to look out there and see the harvest field and see that it's ripe. And so we have to start now reaching into that harvest, all right? We can't wait until we get perfect because we're never going to get there. The perfection is in Christ, not in us. And so we get away from looking in and we start to look out. And we start to see what is out there in front of us and the opportunities that we have. We're no longer a baby church. And it's time for us to reproduce the kingdom of God among us. And so we need to live in this place of looking out and seeing the city around us and seeing what's out here in our city and seeing that our city is full, all right? I'm running out of time, so I'm going to just barrel through a little bit here, okay, to get, get through this today. So hold on with me here, all right? All right, so we, we can't be outward focus, uh, uh, inward focused. We've got to be outward focused. That's absolutely essential. The next thing that I would say to you is we've got to make eternal investments, not temporary investments, all right? And, and by that, I mean that what you, are, what you are doing and the resources that you are giving through your giftings and, and, and your abilities and your talents and your strength and, and your finances and all of that, all right? It can't be going into temporary places in your life and my life, all right? We've got to be willing to give intentionally into what will have eternal dividends for us, all right? And, and I, again, I don't harp on finances. We don't even preach the tithe here in this church, all right? If you want to give 10%, great. Just keep in mind, the other 90 belongs to God, not to you, all right? And we're not going to tell you that God gets 10 and you get 90 because you don't. God tells you that you give your whole life a living sacrifice unto him. So it all belongs to him. It's just a matter of how you divvy it out and how you give it, Okay? And so our, our words are much harder words than a lot of the other churches you're going to go to and sit down in, all right? We're telling you give everything to God, all right? And some of you have, have abilities where you can be responsible financially to the church. Or you, some of you have abilities where you have gifts and crafts where you can come in and be responsible in those kinds of ways. The thing is that each and every one of us needs to give as we purpose in our hearts to give, not grudgingly, not out of necessity, but as God loves a cheerful giver, give and be happy giving. All right? Give what you can. All right? And we're not going to harp on that. Matter of fact, we're going to let it go right now. I'm moving on. Okay? The other thing is that you need and I, we need to be able to exhibit faith and not fear as we go forward. And that's the big one in my opinion. I see a lot of people. Uh, I work at a gym and I see a lot of people and they, they wear t-shirts with a slogan that's been around forever. But you know the slogan, no fear. But as I get to know a lot of these people, uh, their, their lives are a whole different message altogether. And there's so many people that are locked up in fear. There's so many people that let fear rule them and, and really, literally, just sort of, not literally, but, but figuratively, uh, decapitate them in some way. They have no direction. They have no movement whatsoever. 
But 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We're not going to preach to you a lot of legalistic stuff and try to force you and manipulate you into serving God. But what we're going to preach to you is the love of Jesus Christ. And a love that is lavished upon you as sons and daughters of God. And establish that true identity that you have as a son or daughter of Almighty God. A joint heir with your elder brother, Jesus Christ. Who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Who's praying for you and I as I'm preaching this to you today. All right. We're going we're gonna to preach this kind of love. We're going to demonstrate this kind of love. We're going to share this kind of love. And as we do, I will say to you, you cannot be afraid of the future. You cannot be afraid of what is out there in front of you, all right? On the contrary, according to Scripture, you can have peace and you can have confidence in the Lord. And you and I are actually called by God in the book of Hebrews to not throw away our confidence, but to hold on, it, on to it, lest we lose our reward. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God doesn't even give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and soundness of mind. God will direct us, and God will give us what we need. Faith is seeing the invisible. It is believing in the impossible. That's what Hebrews says. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In other words, I don't have them yet, but I have an assurance they're coming. I have this conviction of things not seen. I don't know what God's going to do and how He's going to do it, but He's helping me to pray right now. And I'm praying that the God who, is, who created the universe and who is capable of all things, He is now able to answer my prayers and your prayers, our prayers blended together and mixing our faith together. We're able to pray these big prayers that will allow us to do what God has called us to do. And you see, when it was all done, after the sacrifice, Elijah didn't condemn Ahab. He didn't even slaughter him. He was the king. And he honored his authority and his position. But he said this to Ahab. He said, you go up. You eat and you drink. For there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Ahab, maybe you don't have faith, but I do. Three years. Three years of drought. And I just turned over 12 big barrels of your precious water. But I'm telling you something in the spirit. I hear the rain. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. We got to close. This morning, about 7 o'clock, I came here early this morning. This isn't exactly the message I was going to preach today. Um, so I had to get up early and come and kind of fix it. Um, so I was in here about five this morning and, and trying to figure out how I'm going to preach this to you today and, and praying. And about seven o'clock, I'm, I'm on, on my laptop and I'm starting to type some of this stuff in. And I had just a really great moment. God brought something to remembrance to me, something that I had forgotten from years ago. 
And I don't even remember where I was and the, the, the building that we were in, Life Church, at that time. We were actually over on South Louise in, a, in, a, in an office building. Paul, some of you guys who, Jack, you guys will know it. Jack, you used to lay on the floor over there and cry out to God day after day after day. Um, but, but we were just in, a, in an office building over there on South Louise, all right, uh, behind the mall. And I remember being in there, and God, it was like God gave me like an imagery, all right? And it was like a vision, okay? Um, again, nothing that I'm going to say is like crazy and, and all of that. It was just an, an impression. It was a vision, but I could see it. Like I could see the imagery in my mind, and, and it, was like, it, it was like an open heaven. It was like God was saying, I got an open heaven, and it's over, it's over this building. It was that particular building at the time, but it was over Life Church is what it was, Okay? And, and it was like there was this opening, this, this almost like a circle in the heavens, and it was open all the way up into the presence of God. And, and as you looked up and you could see up in there, you could see all of these big pots, these like earthen vessels, these great big clay jars, if you will. And they were being filled constantly. And they were being filled with prayers. And they were prayers that were being prayed for Life Church at the time, Okay. And as, as, as the prayers were coming up and ascending into the heavens, they were being deposited in these big earthen vessels. And then all of a sudden, in a moment of time, it was like a nod from God the Father. And in this nod, it was like suddenly angelic beings appear, big angelic beings appear by each of these big earthen jars, all right, all the way around this opening. And then it was like there was a nod from the Lord, and when that nod took place, each of those angels just gently, without any effort at all, just tilted all of those earthen jars towards the opening, and so the lip of the jar was, was now pointing down, and so you would have thought all of these prayers were going to fall out of there, but it wasn't prayers, it was blessings. The prayers somehow had turned into blessings and answers to the prayers in the earthen jars in heaven. And God was now pouring out the answers and the blessings over life church. And I'd forgotten about that. And this morning as I felt like I had to sort of fix this sermon for today and and apply it to us here as life church, it was like I saw the whole thing all over again. And I was... I, I'm just I was sitting there in tears coming down. I'm like, God, you are faithful. You are faithful. You know, and I held on to that back there for a moment. You know, back in time, it was like, yeah, God, you're going to bless us today. Yay. You know, I was green and young then. All right. I'm old and green now, but I, I've learned a few things. All right. And time with God is different than my time. But why would God remind me of that today? when I'm preaching to you a message on faith for our future. Because I believe there have been lots of prayers that have been prayed that God is ready to pour out blessings as a result of. And I believe that there's something that God will do as we go forward, if we will fulfill our mission, which is the commission of God to make disciples, we will see unbelievable blessings from God. And I I just share all of that to, to, to hopefully encourage you and I but also to spark faith in us because I, I want to see that kind of faith in us. I want to see it soon become kindled into just a real flame. I want it to be a faith that is going to spread throughout Life Church and that it will be unquenchable for all of us, all right? I want it to be a faith that will inspire us. I want you and I to be praying like 
oh my God kind of prayers, all right? Or look at God kind of prayers, all right? Or that can't be anything but God kind of prayers, you know? So that God gets all the glory for it. But also I want us to pray commitment prayers, obedience prayers, surrender prayers, sacrifice prayers. Because I want you to understand something. What I'm preaching to you and the imagery I just gave you, it wasn't so you and I can party. All right? This isn't so you get to have a Holy Ghost party and just have a good time and just feel good. No, I believe these blessings are being poured out for strength, for faith, and for courage so that you and I can get into the harvest field and we can work and labor and do what God has called us to do. And so I'm asking you for that today. I'm asking you to position yourselves to be men and women who have faith for our future. Amen? Amen. God bless you. All right. Do we have someone sharing the gospel today? Andrew, come, please. Thank you, brother.